Listener Production. Yes, hello and welcome to Footy Talk. It is a big Monday episode. The AFL season just around the corner. We have some big issues on the agenda. Of course, what does Jimmy Webster get for that crushing blow on Simkin? Zach, David Zaharakis has got some doubts on the Blues. Going to get to that a little bit later. Abby, her mind is blown by these goal-kicking stuff-ups. I'm totally with her. Gorn v Grundy could be the battle of the season. And culture wars, we're going to dive deep on Melbourne. That's all coming up next on Footy Talk. Yes, hello. A big welcome to Footy Talk. Can you believe it? The 2024 AFL season is upon us. The opening round this weekend up north. Absolutely can't wait for it. And joining me now, two of the absolute stars. Firstly, the queen of our screens on Channel 7, <laughs> Abby Holmes. You're looking absolutely magnificent. How are you, Abby? Good morning. I am. Oh, great. I've stuffed it up already. What? It's afternoon. <laughs> um, but no, look, we don't know what day it is, what time it is, <laughs> mm-hmm. but what we are sure of is yes. that it is Round zero this weekend. I cannot yes. wait um, to get up there in Sydney on Thursday night and, um, yeah, see it all unfold. And embrace it, people. I know it's not at the MCG, the opener. Just get around it. The game needs a little bit of a kick along up there in Sydney, so I think we should all be really glass half full on it. Now, this man – oh, sorry. No, I'm just going to come back to you very, very quickly. Yes, go on. Can we – can – you left us high and Did. dry yeah. mid-season yeah. last year. You walked out Did. on the Footy Talk podcast yeah. because shiny Scott Pendlebury yes. was, was calling mm-hmm. on track for 400 games. There's no doubt about that, but you've come crawling back. I Welcome. had to test the AFL mid-season trade period. That's what I did in the whole radio podcast world. So I joined, went to Scott and I've come crawling back. So thank you very much for Welcome. having me. Thank you, Abby. Now, this man... <laughs> David Zaharakis. I was just I was going through YouTube the other day just looking at my favourite things and I had to go back to the 2009 oh, yes. legendary moment. Mm. He kicked the goal. BT's called Zaharakis. It's absolutely pissing down at the G. <laughs> now, David, hello <laughs> to you. But do you walk down the street sometimes and do people just scream that at you across the street? It must follow you everywhere. Yes, they do. Abby would know this oh, firsthand. Yeah. Uh, we're in Byron Bay about a month ago now and we would have heard it from... Uh, Zana, um, who is Active Escapes, yeah. uh, one of our good times. friends. We would have heard it 50 times during that week. Uh, <laughs> Just shouting yeah. you randomly. He's a diehard Bombers man, by Diehard right? Bombers man. <laughs> they had some internationals on that trip and they did not know what video he was showing every five minutes on the uh, on the TV. Um, and I copped it in a, in the Ironman I did uh, in December. Wow. Um, there was a group of about four or five blokes who were just screaming in my ear every time I ran past them. So I do cop it quite a bit. It could be a lot still. worse. It could be a moment exactly you stuffed right. up. Yeah, you could have exactly, shaked it. Yeah. You won the game. True. I'd rather you love it. And so Nathan Lovett Murray kicks it in. 29 minutes. I think you're down by a point at this time. You've got it at half forward and you you turn and go. You play on, Zacha. Take, take us into that moment. What happened when in in the wet the ball comes your way and you just bolt straight away towards a goal? What I was, happened? I was 48 metres out. There was no chance I was making that distance going back in a wet footy kicking at <laughs> 55. I mean, you know at the best of times I can only kick it about 49, <laughs> I think. So uh, that's why I just turned around and played on. Um, but I did not have a clue that McCaffer was that close to me, let's mm. be honest. I thought I was in an absolute paddock, what but I, didn't, I wasn't. What I didn't realise, and I only yeah. learnt this in January in Byron Bay, was that that was game number four for you and your first AFL goal. Yes, first I AFL goal. I didn't know goal, that. Yes. First goal in the first AFL. Goal in the oh. AFL. Oh. It's not 
not a bad one. How good is that? But your best good. one is your first one. That's the thing. It you was always all remember the first. Downhill from there. Yeah. Three hundred thousand views on YouTube. I wonder how many uh, have been your own. I would watch that a lot if that yeah, was me. At least ten thousand of mine. <laughs> hey, lots of big stories and uh, news items to get to. As we said, the footy kicks off this weekend, and didn't it sort of start with a big bang at the weekend because the bump is in focus. Mm. Jimmy Webster from St Kilda absolutely KO'd, mm. pole-laxed. Uh, Jai Simpkin from North Melbourne, send him into next week. We've had sort of 24 hours to digest this now. H- how do you feel like this should play out, Abby? Look, I'm going to go pretty hard on this, but I'm going to start by saying this is by no means an attack on Jimmy Webster, the person, okay? Outside footy, an absolute ripping bloke. I'm talking about the player and the athlete, the footballer. The act. What the yep. actual f- was he thinking? So producer Zoe can find a beep and cover that up. I have no doubt about that. But that's what goes through my mind yep. immediately. First and foremost, Jai, Jai Simpkin. That looked like something in a car accident. Yep. The way that his neck mm. jolted back, it got – I was really upset seeing that image. I've gone back and I've listened to a number of the different kind of commentary around it from Fox to um, different radio stations and everybody was just – horrified, Mm -hmm. especially after the Sam Palpepper incident only a week prior. The AFL has gone hard on this, but this is a week out of round one as well. This is a practice match. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm in that situation, I'm Jimmy Webster there, I'm going to smother. Like, at at what point in time do you think that it is a good idea to bump in that situation? And and particularly the the off-the-ground action, the shoulder straight into the head. I I was absolutely horrified seeing that, and I have no doubt in my mind that that'll be, um, you know, eight weeks in my mind. It's an image that... You look back at footy from the 1970s, 1980s, mm. you see you see those type of yeah. bumps and everyone was back then going, oh, how good is this, whatever. We've come a long way in the last 30 years, 20 years of concussion, head injuries, what the AFL are trying to do is stamping that out yeah. of the game, um, duty of care with players. I mean, that's a big one, duty of care. And clearly in that moment, and I, and I know obviously having played the game that you do make split second, second mm. decisions, but in that moment, you do know that you're going in for the bump you're leading with your shoulder off the ground mm. and you hit the head uh, mm. in that scenario. That that should be eight weeks plus. I hope the AFL make a strong stance on this considering where we've come with concussion, with head injuries in this day and age and I feel like they need to come down on him. Now, like you said, it's the, the person versus the player but in this incident you have to come down on the player. The player, We absolutely. want to stamp that out. We don't want to see that in the game uh, this day and age and, um, yeah, it was a very bad one. A Jim- practice match mm. as well. Like you are... I obviously understand that the Saints are playing in round one, not round zero, but you are so close to the real the real deal. You're just tinkering, you know, mm, yep. putting those final touches on everything that you've worked on over pre-season and to do that, that is a... Mistake. Mistake, mistake yeah. of the worst kind. <clears throat> I'd say it's probably one of the biggest brain fades I've seen yep. in the yeah. past 10 years, to yeah. be honest. It's in that sort of category. You say eight weeks, I think it's dead right. There's new thresholds for all this, the, the head high bumps now. The AFL has made it clear that yep. there's going to be a, a higher watermark for it. So I think a long ban is coming. And a bit of a postscript, I think Alistair Clarkson was caught up in, the, in a bit of a, um, yeah. a tay-to-tay, an ugly exchange with the secure players over the incident. I mean, I sort of am unsurprised a little bit. We know what a, what a competitor Clarko is. And maybe he overstepped the line, sort of engaging with them verbally in a um, you know in a vulgar sort of fashion. But that will be all to play out as I well. But clearly, it stirred the juices inside Clarko. I didn't mind that 
you know, Clarko is a passionate man. We yeah. know how much he loves the game, but he's protective of his players. And I, I think he, like everybody else in the footy landscape, mm. was very shocked to see that incident. Mm. So I, I probably would have done the same thing. I would have had a crack. Brought me back to the uh, Kevin Sheedy days with the West Coast. <laughs> yes. and the, uh, yes. Hand across the neck. Yes. Yeah, a bit of fun times with coaches getting involved with players. It's just mm. one of the big stories coming into the opening round, of course. And Abby, you want to talk about goal kicking because I saw, I think he used the, the mind-blowing sort of emoji throughout the week on our WhatsApp uh, group because you saw, was it Charlie Curnow, Miss Kick, Mac Guelph, your old mate, yeah. Zacha. Yep. What's the story? What is wrong? What is wrong with the, the traditional drop punt? That's what I want to post, that question, mm-hmm. right? Because I've seen Charlie Curnow snap around the body on the left when he's 15 metres out directly in front. We saw Matt Guelphy in the first 60 yep. seconds of their game on the weekend kick. I don't even know what that was. That's something that I he, in, he invented. Side. I couldn't yeah, believe it. Yeah, but even then. All we had to do was kick the ball 15 metres over the umpire's head. Bang. So Why straight would you do that, Why would you do, well, Why? Why Mason, do Mason that? Mason Cox, a person who comes from another another country to play a game, is Dead one straight. of the most beautiful set shots. Yeah. All he wants to do is put it over the goal umpire's head. Yeah. Yeah. Mount Guelph, who's played footy for 15, 20 years, tries to do a check side <laughs> from 15 metres out. I can't explain that. Have you been on the text message to him already? Oh, because that's, that's, that's a moment where you probably need to but, wind him but, up. But what, what's wrong with it? Like, what's wrong with a little, as you said, just yeah. pop it through the big sticks? So why generally, why have we lost faith, Zachary, in the drop punt? Like, you see, I mean, Steve Johnson started it, um, a yeah. lot of players from close in, we see Kerno, Harry Mackay's mm. issues. Is Do you have more control with the snap, um, even straight in front, than the drop punt? Why do players do this? I think the theory behind it is that it's a fatter part of the ball. So you've got a bigger, uh, uh, less margin for error, bigger, mar- yeah. bigger margin for error. I'm trying to, again, confusing myself there, sorry. Um, but it's uh, with the, with the, Kicking a snap from, say, 20 metres out on an angle, I'm all for that, um, mm-hmm. across your body, mm. not a banana like Guelphy did yeah. at that angle um, or even if you're kind of on a 10-degree angle, 20-degree angle, some players do. Um, Charlie Kerner feels that way. But I feel like you're hitting a bigger part of the ball, mm. um, so you do have uh, more margin there for error that if you miss the ball by a little bit, it could still go through, whereas a drop punt, obviously, we see a lot of players, um, you can – yeah, Harry Mackay struggles with the drop punt. So um, a lot of players can, can do that and they feel more comfortable kicking that because, yeah, as I said, it's a fatter part of the ball you're kicking. But I'm not for it, uh, especially mm-hmm. on the opposite side. So if you're if you're a right footer and you're on the left side of goal, you're bringing it around your body. If you're like Matt Guelphie and you're on the right side yeah. of goals, you should be kicking a drop punt every day every of the day week. Every day of the week. Every day of the week. So I'm a bit confused. Um, are there kicking experts at clubs now that are trying to do this? Um, it feels like we're going backwards with goal kicking uh, <laughs> rather than forwards. the process. I exactly. think that peroxide he put in his ears maybe got to his brain a little bit. <laughs> there's a reason why the drop punt has been in the AFL for 50, 60, exactly 70 years, right. isn't it? There's, there's a reason it's for it. Effective. It's effective. Yes. <laughs> It's <laughs> my preferred kick from uh, straight out in front. It is. It does send, send fans absolutely crazy, these missed shots, when they try something a bit kooky from close in. But what about the Bombers, Zachary? Your old mob. Yep. They haven't won a final in, I don't know, 17 decades or Thanks something for like that. Something yep. like that. I know you're still a big Essendon fan. You're close there with all the boys. I think they've been playing it very low-key in the media, um, the Bombers. Have you got them in your eight? What's, what's your feeling about the mighty red and black this season? Yeah, well, first of all, it's very smart for the media team, I think, this year to uh, 
intentionally stay a little bit quiet, yeah. uh, temper expectations, because when I was there, we were preseason favourites every year in November because of how our media team would <laughs> no, run the footy club. Um, yeah, even though I loved a lot of people that work there, they uh, pumped us up a bit too much. So I'm more than happy that they've tempered expectations. They're not in my eight. Um, I know uh, they were eight and five last year to start mm. the year, and I felt the success came a bit too early on mm-hmm. um, in them, and then obviously clearly showed the back half of the year they faded. I feel like this year they could win less games but be more competitive and I'd be happy as a fan uh, of the footy club. Explain that. Um, how, do you, how do you win less games and f- be more competitive? I feel like they got blown out in a lot of games last year um, and they dropped away quite significantly and a lot of the games they lost, they looked uncompetitive. Uh, and I feel like this year we've got a couple of young recruits. Um, I, I, I'd love to see Nate Caddy, mm. Zach mm. Reed play at least 16, 17 games. Mm. Um, Cade Baldwin's another one who... I heard big raps from players uh, in the uh, in the preseason that he was having an outstanding year and he would have been the third tall, no doubt, stiff. come round one. Um, and then, yep, stiff with, with his injury. So I'd love to see those players get a few games under their belt. Um, what about Archie the other Perkins recruits take, as um, well? Yeah. And, Mackay, Gresham. Well, Mackay is an interesting one. Yeah, mature age um, recruiting there. Um, I feel like if him and Zach Reed can play those 15, 16 games yeah. together, that's um, going to hold us in good stead longer term. I'm I'm bullish on the Bombers long term, but I'm not bullish on them this year. Yep. Um, I feel like if they win 10 or 11 games, but they lose a couple of close games, I'd be more than happy with that. I'm fascinated with how the midfield mix um, all falls out because you got Parrish and Merritt, you know they're in, but who plays or who doesn't play out of Hobbs, Caldwell, uh, Young, Sardis, Shield? is he almost uh, finished mm. as a footballer? So I think they've got some young ball winners. They brought in Dersmer as well. We know Gresham's going to play forward half. So I think it's going to be very tight for spots in that Essendon engine room. Well, everyone and all the talk about turnover pre-season, everyone talks about our depth. Like, yep. yes, we have a lot of players can play, but we don't have have many superstars. We have a lot yep. of really mm. good, or Essendon, sorry, have a lot of really good players yep. that are fighting for those spots, but who's going to take the next level to become superstars for that side that yep. can actually carry us over line to finish in the top eight? But, I, yeah, I just feel like we have a lot of really good players and our forward line's our, our Achilles heel, I think. If Jake Stringer um, can kick, he's, he's our X factor. If he can kick 40, but 40 are they goals. But are you still relying on... Jake Stringer, is that the, that's the problem, you know? Like, is he still your main weapon up forward? Well, that, well the other one is Kyle Langford. Like, Kyle Langford, yes, kicked 50 goals last year, but he's not your power forward. Mm. We need mm. Nate Caddy to come along. I mean, yep. first-year player. Or Peter Wright. You Peter need Wright. two big players there to kick a lot of goals. Harry Jones is one that I think his career is he's yeah. fit. Um, I think his career is this is the year you need to take the step forward or yep. you're not going to make it. Um, so I, I think, think with Jake him, Stringer, though, you want you – want Consistency. Yes. What we've seen over the last few years is the ebbs and flows of him, him you know, mm. dominating five yep. minutes in a game, but mm. then going missing for the rest of it. And Brad Scott's been big on that. Exactly right. You want to see this this consistent line with yep. Jake Stringer. You want, even if he was getting kind of 12 to 15 touches yep. a game, but kicking two to three, you can throw him in the midfield, give you a burst, win a clearance, great. But I saw a can... couple of really good defensive efforts from him on the weekend. Great. He looked like he wanted to defend yeah. back the other way, which is, is a massive improvement because you never see that from mm. him. So <laughs> if he can do that and have efforts both ways, whether he's getting ridden from Scotty Hard, yeah. great. You'd think so. But it looked like he actually wanted yeah. to defend. Let's see.
and looks uh, fit too, yes. Jakey boy. So Shaved we, head helps too. We, <laughs> we uh, like that. I think he had some concussion issues this time last year, so he's been able yep. to have a good run. Yep. And I tell you, he's going to be a massive story uh, this year. Western Bulldogs, the spotlight will be on them, and in particular the coach, Luke Beveridge. I just wonder whether it's a happy football club. I spoke to someone there late last year. I said, how's it gone at the kennel this year? Miss finals again, underachieved, blah, blah, blah. This person said it's been really tense, mm. right? It's been some friction, some awkwardness, and we know things have happened with Chris Grant, they've sort of resolved that Matty Egan, who's a great man, um, mm-hmm. has yep. come into that football club. But with sort of Tim English out of, out of contract, you know, Bailey uh, Smith, you know, what's he going to do? For me, it's it's as much about the zen at the kennel, you know, because you know, Zach, when when it's all stressful and tense, have you been able to play your best footy and you've been, you've been through it all, right? You have been through it all. Seven coaches in 13 years. What's, what's <laughs> it like when things are settled and you're happy as a footballer versus when the sky is falling in? Because I sort of feel like at the kennel the past 18 months, everyone's been walking on eggshells a little bit. I'm not too sure what a stable environment at a footy club <laughs> looks like. Um, no, but the, yeah, the, you're, you're spot on with that. When, when you're when you're a player and the environment around you and Coming. you know from, from yeah. the top down to the bottom, so from the CEO to the coach to every, or assistant coaches, they all back each other. Yep. It's a stable environment. All you have to do is focus on your game plan and your role each week. Mm. That's when you can perform your best. When you've got all these other thing go, things going on around you, yep. and it's an un, and players know when it's an unstable environment. When yeah, coaches, no. you go to one coach and he says one thing, then mm. you go into a meeting, watch vision. They say, "Oh, don't worry about that." Mm. What he said, this is what you should do. When coaches start doing that, no, not, I'm not sure if that happened. The doggies or whatever, but you got no chance. You've got no chance of having success there. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, it's a stable environment for them. I'm pretty bullish on them. They've yeah. got a lot of stars in their side. You're buying the bulldog stock. I'm buying the bull. Dog stock. Oh. I like how they played on the weekend, but I think they'll go as far as what their bad quarters will will take them. Mm-hmm. On the weekend, their second quarter, they look terrible. Um, at the end of three quarters, they look really good. And I feel like if you're playing three quarters against really good sides, you're not gonna you're not gonna win too many games of footy. And I think last year they showed when they had bad quarters or halves, it really, really dropped away. Um, so I think. Their floor actually is pretty low. Mm-hmm. They've got to lift that up mm-hmm. um, and not have uh, massive lapses in games. Riley Sanders is oh, looking good, isn't he? Like, my goodness, another 30 touches for him on the weekend. Rising star in the Socks library. up. Socks up. I love the old socks up, yes. My goodness. he He's looking like a ready-born AFL player, just ready mm-hmm. to jump in and, and take it by the horns. And it's an, exciting. And, an, and another one for me there is Jamari Ugohagan. Yeah. I mm-hmm. saw him on the weekend – he looked like he wants to tear the competition apart. Mm. Um, I remember my, my last year of footy, it was his first year of footy, yeah. and you knew he had the talent, but his work ethic on the field was always questioned, uh, whether he really wanted to be an elite professional player, mm. uh, and that was the talk around him. But now he he looks like to me that he wants to compete in every contest he's in. Yeah. Um, when the ball hit the deck on the weekend, he was on the ground scrapping for it. Kick four, uh, looked good, and I hope for me, uh, for my sake and for his hate that he uh, tears the comp apart because I think the Doggies will go a long way if him and Norton can – kick 100 goals between yeah. them, uh, yeah, that'd be a long way for their success. Got to be interesting to see how they structure up. Well, I love Sam Darcy. Where on earth does, yes. does he fit as well? I'm not I, – like, I wonder whether he's gone past Rory Lobb. Do they need Rory Lobb? Is the back six settled? Keith, et cetera, um, you know, he's getting on. James O'Donnell, where's he mm. fit? And Caleb Daniel, like how – like this yeah. is, is, I know Bevo likes to spin the magnets, as he says, but how does this man play, get eight touches, 33 minutes? Is he like Lockie Hunter the year before? Did you hear Bevo's comments before the game on the weekend? What did he say? He said 
there'll be players that have had a lot of success at this footy club that won't play yeah. this year, mm. or players that think they're going to get spots that yeah. um, based we on won't reputation of yes. the past, he's going to play players who have genuinely earned, earned it. Yeah. yeah, it was interesting. It was very strong comments. It from was the very coach. strong. And considering he didn't play a couple of players on the weekend. So do you well, as a player, do you welcome that? What happens when your coach is saying stuff like that? Does that put you on a bit of edge? Does it make you sort of train harder or that's whatever? That's what you want. You want the competition for spots. It Break doesn't matter if you've been in the, the AFL for 12 months or you've been in there for 15 years. Mm. You need to be pushed by the kids coming through. You need to be on the grind to ensure that you're, you're the best one for that job and for that role. I love that. And I loved that comment from Bevo. Little, I loved it too. Yeah. Yeah. Competition is good, yeah. but some older players won't react well to that. Best and fairest winner, Gail <laughs> Daniel. Lockie Bramble, I see, is uh, in the mix. Um, yes. Riley Sanders, as we mentioned, looks an absolute star. Now, from one big story to another, the Melbourne Football Club, the word culture gets branded about a lot in footy, doesn't it? And, and sometimes it's easy to say Melbourne's you know, got a crap culture or whatever. There's a drug issue here, drug issue there. Clayton Oliver's going to play mm. in opening mm. round against um, Sydney. I wouldn't be surprised if Melbourne just comes out and and turns one on yeah. and really jumps out of the blocks. What 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 are you guys thinking about what's happening yeah. at Melbourne? Are you alarmed? Are you worried? Do you think we're overrating some of the issues they've had with Joel Smith, Clayton Oliver and Simon Goodwin? What what what, what vibe are you getting? No, I, I hope that that's the case. I hope that the Ds can come out in the, the first three or four weeks and just go bang and show the competition what they're capable of. Because I, I do, going out in straight sets last year, you know, that that's embarrassing. Um, and then not to mention everything that's happened in the off-season, poor Maxi Gorn. Mm-hmm. I applaud him for yep. the way that he has shown up to every single interview. Yep. He's rallied, he's supported, he's, he cares. But with Clayton in particular, I'm so pumped to see him playing footy and let's just hope that this is the best version of Clayton Oliver now and into the future. Let's hope that mm-hmm. he's put all of his, his wrongs behind him um, and he's, he's, he's made a few mistakes. There's no doubt about that. We focus particularly on the last six to 12 months, but there's certainly been some before that as well. Mm-hmm. But let's just hope that Clayton is surrounded by the best possible people to support him through what he's been through. And now that's all behind him and he can just go whack and come out and go bang. What chance he comes out and has 40, Zaka? Well, that's oh. the thing. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You can't take away his talent. He, yeah. His football talent is no next question. level. I mean, you think about it this time 12 months ago before everything came out, Clayton Oliver was top five, top ten in the AFL, yeah. and we all rated him so highly um, as a midfielder and as a, as a player. The talent's still there. That hasn't gone. It's whether the mental side of his game, whether he can come out and want to perform in an elite level or mm-hmm. whether he's still got distractions going on outside of footy. You just you just don't know what there. But I, I hope he comes out as yeah. a pure football fan uh, and performs out there. Um, be right about Maxi Gorn. I love I love how he goes about it. I love watching him play. I love the way he attacks the media, um, as in way he fronts up for the media. Um, him and Christian Petrarca are two yeah. elite leaders of at AFL level, and stuff has gone wrong at their footy club um, over the last twelve months. Um, we saw him a good one with players, yeah. whatever, but. I don't think one or two players necessarily makes the whole culture of the footy club. Um, I think the whole culture of the footy club takes everyone there and you can have bad instances. I mean, at our footy club, I know over our time, you might have had one or two players that did their own thing, but the rest of the players really bought in. And, mm. and I feel like Melbourne's system uh, holds up well in footy. And um, you'll, I think 
I'm still bullish on Melbourne this year because I think over the, a 23-24 game season uh, that their system and the way they play will hold up. Mm. I couldn't agree more. I reckon, you know, with Joel Smith and the drug issue, I reckon there would be a drug issue or drug use at every club in the competition. 100%. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Like, 100%. we're not sticking our heads in the sand there. We no, know no. the data tells us that there is a drug issue. So if every club has got that, does that mean every club's got a bad culture, if you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And Clayton, I think, has got his own unique circumstances around mental health and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I don't think we put the demons in the bin um, just yet. If they need to find another goal or two inside that conversion with Christian Salem going in the midfield, Windsor on a wing, looks yeah. like he's taken Lockie Hunter's spot. Yep. Cosy Pickett can be anything. Tholstra, they've got Billing stepping into round one, who's a classy ball user. Mm-hmm. So maybe the, the dominoes could still line up for the Ds and they could be the story of the season. Been a great start by you, Zaka. You have been hot, of course, Abby Holmes. If you're listening, we're going to come back for more. We're going to find out who's in your eight. Oh, uh, some big questions <laughs> around who is making <laughs> the cut or not. If you're listening uh, to Footy Talk, drop us a question. Get on Instagram, Footy Talk Pod, or TikTok Footy Talk Pod. Uh, Abby, very popular on the Instagram, does a great <laughs> job. And, of course, if you're listening on Spotify, hit the bell to be notified when we drop a new episode. I think we've got Rui and Joey Montagna coming up next, but there'll be more footy talk and some big calls coming up next. Welcome back to Footy Talk with Jay Clark, the magnificent Abby Holmes and David Zaharakis, white team. We're going to have to put our big calls into a time capsule, Abby. Who have you got? Can I have your top four first? I've got a, yep. I've got a problem. What? I've got about 12 or 13 teams inside my top eight. Right. 13 doesn't go <laughs> You've got to make the hard calls, Abby. Yeah. You've got to make the hard but calls. But this is... This is how close I think it's going to be this year. I think mm-hmm. we're going to have the closest season that we've seen in a long time, which is quite remarkable considering, you know, the doggies had to wait until the last round of last year to miss out narrowly. Um, you want my top four? I want your top four. They'll get Zach's top four. We'll go from there. Okay. My top four, Brisbane. Yes. Tick. Collingwood. Yes. Tick. GWS. Yep. I like that. <laughs> yeah, right. So. And I'm changing this on the run, but Sydney. Sydney in. Yeah. Okay, despite some injuries to Taylor yes. Adams, going to yeah. miss a few weeks. And Luke Parker yeah. early, they'll be tested yeah. inside. But you've got the Swen- Swans on the upright. Isaac, who have you got in the top four? So my top three yeah. are the same. I've got Collingwood. <laughs> what do you mean? Brisbane. Yeah. And Four. <laughs> Colling- well, no, but top yeah. three are the same. Collingwood, Brisbane, yep. GWS. Yes. Uh, I think the Giants are massive movers up the ladder this year. Yep. And Melbourne is my fourth. I, I think their system holds up, as I said before, yep. uh, over the course of the season. They'll win enough games to finish top four. I like that. Uh, Zaka on the Ds. I'm with you. Ds, Brisbane, Collingwood and GWS will be inside the top four. Now, this is where it gets trickier. Yeah. Because as you tricky. say, Abby, there's about mm. eight or nine, ten teams maybe yep. who, who would who would back themselves, like Gold Coast, for example, mm-hmm. Geelong to jump into the eight after missing it last year. Who's fifth to eighth for you? <sighs> Goodness. All right. So I've got the Ds. Yep. Melbourne, Adelaide. Yep. yep. Carlton yep. and Port Adelaide. I like that. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So you're leaving out the likes of Richmond. You've left out Geelong. Saints. Kilda, Western Bulldogs. Fremantle. But that's, that's why I've got 12 to 13 teams inside <laughs> yeah. the eight because I genuinely feel like there's so many sides that could be there. But I think Adelaide, for me, are the big jumpers. 
10th to, to play in finals yep. this season, not just because I'm a Crow supporter, everybody out there. Um, I just really, really like what I've seen yep. from them across the preseason, and I'm tipping Jordan Dawson, Jordan Brownlow Dawson, I should mm. call him from here on in, wow. to potentially, yeah. Charlie. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, because what Adelaide are going to win enough games, and, and the leadership, he's a ball magnet, yes. he kicks goals, he defends. Yep. Um, this is a guy that I think is really going to um, bring Adelaide into the top eight and, and premiership contention. Should have made it last year if it wasn't for that goal. Oh, yes. Of you, Don't get me started. Fifth to eighth, who have you got? So I've got Port Adelaide fifth. Like it. I think uh, home ground advantage, they win a lot of games there. Mm-hmm. As I said, I'm bullish on the doggies, so mm. I've got them in sixth. Yeah, uh, Western Bulldogs, um, St Kilda seventh. Yeah, I love the way St Kilda have played early on, uh, and Adelaide. I'm the yep. same; they make the jump. Mm. So I've left out Sydney, Carlton, Geelong, and Fremantle. Carlton, from a prelim to yes. bust. Well, the run they went on last year. I mean, two teams went on it, but you haven't seen that in a long time in AFL, yeah. winning that many games in a row, being up for so long. Oh, I just, was it Port Adelaide was 13 and yep, Port Adelaide, Yeah, exactly. So 10 years later yeah. uh, that happened. I just I can't see him doing that again uh, that this year. That would be a big story if Vossi can't mm. get his team, which is primed, which is loaded, mm. which is absolute ready. Sam Walsh worries me a yes. little bit. Yes. Because that back injury, that was going back 15, 16 months yep. that that flared up. And now it doesn't look like he's going to play the first game of the season. Mm. Uh, there'd be some questions about how that's all been managed. But I mean, he's a top five player in the competition when yeah. he's going right. He is, yeah. So that would be a huge. He, he makes a massive difference there. If he, yeah, if he plays twenty yep. games of of the year, that, yep. that's a massive difference then. But if he doesn't, their midfield's quite compromised. He almost got through the whole preseason as well. Yeah. Um, and then this back issue has reared its ugly head again. Just on that, I'd, I'd love Arazzo Fantasia to play some good footy this year. He looks oh, good. One of my old housemates, so I just up. want to put that out there. He uh, looks very he good. He does look good. He looks fit. Hopefully stays injury free. Yes, I think he adds some real pizzazz and bite and spice and speed to that he forward half. He never looks stressed, does he, Arazio? Like he's no. just got so field. much yeah, time yeah. and space and, and just touch. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, what about, just quickly, how do you think the forward mix works? So Kerner comes off quite final series, we know. Harry Mackay, who knows? He could yeah. kick 80 yes. goals yeah. or he could kick 30. I've got no idea. How do you see the two <laughs> Twin Towers working for Carlton fans? It's an interesting one. Uh, I watch Carlton a lot. Uh, I like the way they play. Mm. Um, but I feel Charlie Kerner actually plays better when Harry's a lot higher up the ground and Charlie's more that one out. You saw last year... Charlie exploded with the amount of goals he kicked a game when Harry actually wasn't playing, or if he goes and pinch hits it in the ruck. I find Charlie just lo- loves old clear out, I'll lead mm. up at the footy, I'm the number one target, and if Alpha I don't mark stop. it, I'll bring it to the ground. Yeah, exactly. And then the smalls work around that. I feel like when the, the, two, the two are trying to work in sync and they crash into each other, leading patterns are a yeah. bit array, I, I feel Charlie works better with being one out. I like Harry up the ground, mm-hmm. he, he, and he can. He takes a great contested mark yep. on the wing, turns, wheels, goes to then Charlie Deep. That's yep. when I think it works best. And he should be able to ruck Abby, shouldn't he? Yeah. Like, I, I think their best thing is Tom DeConing ruck. Yep. Pat Pitney, I'm not sure he's in their best 22. No, he can slow him down. Yep. And then Harry can play forward and then jump, jump into the ruck. Yes. yes. I think that's good. Yes, and it I gets, agree. It, as well, if, if Harry's not necessarily finding it in their forward half. It gets him up around the ball. Involved. Gets him involved, and that's when you can lift your confidence well, as, a, as a tool. That that release kick out of the back line yeah. this day and age is so crucial to teams, and mm. if he can take those marks 70 out from the opposition goal and just perfect. set Carlton up yeah. down the field, it's perfect for Which him. is what Joey Danaher, your old mate, has done a great job yes. at Brisbane sort of playing that upfield, getting him more involved in the ruck and chopping out big Oscar McInerney. Do you know he's flown under the radar 
Who? And I, I'm I'm a bit still surprised by it. Maybe all the talk about Melbourne, Goody, Oliver. We have not been talking about Brody Grundy this week. Yeah. Yet he mm. comes in for his fresh start yep. at his third club after being given the lemon and sass at Collingwood, punted um, out of Melbourne, dropped to the VFL. He now gets this opportunity against his old team. Mm. What's this first bet? What's the, look, tell us what's it going to be like when Max Gorn and Brody Grundy are like staring at each other How at this good. first bounce. I'm so pumped. The competitive spirit in both of them. Yep. Brody be like, I, I, I could have rucked first last year. Yes. Gox be going to be like, mate, I'm the big dog here. So I think that moment is going to be an absolute highlight across the whole weekend. Not only that. So Sydney have Melbourne round zero and yep. then Collingwood round one as well. <laughs> so it's set up beautifully for Brody Grundy to just come out and yep. show the entire footy world yep. what I guess they've been missing over the last few years. So yep. I really hope that he comes out and shows that this player in the right system with the right people around him playing in, you know, the right method yep. that you can be anything and that you can be a pivotal part to a team's success. He would not only want to prove a lot of people wrong, he would want to improve himself right. right. Yes. Yep. And how he feels like he could have impacted both clubs uh, and played long careers at both clubs. And now he's at his third, he'd be going licking his lips going, yeah. this is my opportunity, I'm taking it. I don't know if he's not sure if senior football still get the butterflies uh, anymore when you've been around the caper yes, for a while. Definitely do. Of course. There would be butterflies for yeah. both of those big men in round zero. Grundy versus Gorn in an era of football where we don't have a lot of the one-on-one battles. This oh. is a marquee matchup for me. And that me. opens the season. How good. Outstanding. <laughs> I tell you what, you've been outstanding. Abby Holmes, great to work with you Thank again. You. David Zaharakis, absolutely outstanding. We'll be hearing more of you both on footy talk throughout the year. Stick with Footy Talk because we've got Nick Rewalt uh, and Jay Montagna. The St Kilda Mafia will be uh, waxing lyrical coming up next on Footy Talk. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the footy this weekend. We'll catch you next Monday. Listener.